Now that's Tavares from 1975, a wonderful song. And this is podcast 379, named after Tavares' hit, It Only Takes a Minute, Girl. And I think you'll see why uh, the song came to mind in just a minute, because the podcast is in fact about the condition of um, not saying what you want to say or not expressing something that you feel deeply in your heart out of fear of saying it. It's an obvious thing. It's almost a cliche, but it actually exists in life. And I always go back to Rose Hobart's line in the 1940 movie, Susan and God, when the camera pans, uh, actually it doesn't pan, it zooms right into her face as she says to Frederick March and Oh, other people at a cocktail party, but she says it quietly. She says, why do people never say what they really think? But I had a very interesting example of this that relates to our theme, the grace of God and the mercy of God, the other day. Because I was reading some comments from Bishop Stephen Picard. He is the former assistant bishop in Adelaide, Australia, and a couple of other places. And he's someone I've known for years and years and years. And at one point, I knew him well. And he is quoted in an article in the Living Church about trying to uh, invite the um, Anglican Church in Australia, with its very wide range of opinions on certain contested matters, to walk together, that's the phrase, in comprehensiveness and tolerance of diversity and difference. And Stephen is, um, has been saying this a long time, and uh, of course there's uh, real um, hope there in his heart that people who have very different uh, core ideas about the Christian faith could still walk together. That's the word that is always used. And as he was uh, saying this, uh, something that I regard as a half-truth at best, but it, it, it keeps recurring and recurring. And there it was, my old friend Stephen, like 20 years after I spent a lot of time with him on the same subject, but in a different period of time. He says, um, it is less of a... Uh, of a pick and choose, he says, uh, the church today, and more of an open invitation for those who want to come on the journey. Golly, it sounds like the 70s. Um, you know, the the journey is the point, you know, not the destination, but the journey. And um, I've heard it before, but this, what, what struck me is this, because he then quoted a... Um, a very uh, highly regarded and uh, well-known popular sort of cartoonist and uh, kind of uh, fun cultural voice in Australia, whose name is Michael Lunig, spelled L-E-U-N-I-G, but I believe it's pronounced Lunig, sort of a <clears throat> a popular figure of uh, fresh ways of putting things. And he quotes Lunig, who... Um, wrote a kind of prayer. I think there's a little bit of a religious element here. And Lunig said, and Bishop Picard quotes him in talking about the journey of walking together despite differences, for example, in the Christian church. And he, Stephen, quotes Lunig, who says, apparently it's a well-known quote, nothing can be loved at speed. And the next sentence is from Lunig, God lead us to the slow path now, let me repeat that. Nothing can be loved at speed. And, you know, it's one of the, that sounds good. I mean, it sounds good and it's quoted all the time in popular culture, but it's really a half truth. Um, and this is what I really want to talk about. It's a half truth which really covers, um, sort of is a kind of a, oh, I don't know, a, 
meme justification for um, sort of doing what I tell you to do at my speed. And immediately what came to mind, and this is the fresh PZ podcast part, was the song by Tavares, which I remember so well from 1975, where the singer says, It only takes a minute, girl, to fall in love, to fall in love. And notice uh, in the song, you may have heard it. Go back and listen to it and, and look, l- listen to it on the internet, um, Spotify, whatever you do, YouTube, uh, iTunes. Um, the uh, song uh, switches from the minor key into the major key. In other words, the real point of the song is it only takes a minute, girl. Now, the actual fact is, <clears throat> when it comes to love, and it comes to anything really important, it only takes a minute. It, it, it isn't, it isn't uh, over speed. Now, it may be said that for the love that is kindled in a minute, it takes a lifetime to work that out or to express it. <clears throat> and it certainly can be said that <clears throat> we... Um, we uh, uh, the actual expression of love uh, and trust uh, in terms of reassurance and deep um, anchoring uh, over a time, especially that calms our fears, uh, is not at speed. But the Holy Spirit in the Bible typically, and um, you know the Transfiguration, uh, the baptism of Christ. Um, the coming of Christ, uh, the words, uh, the um, in one minute, you know, um, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And his, uh, he, he, he gave up his spirit. Um, it only takes a minute, girl, to fall in love. And that's true of you and me. I mean, I ask you, you know, the major, major decisions in your life have been momentary. They have not been long that you may have said later that they came after a long period of reflection and you added up the pros and the cons and you came up with more pros and cons to marry this girl or to do this job or to go to this school. But that's not what actually happened. You know that. It only took a minute, boy, for you to decide where to go. Something c- clicked. Had ever taken children on a, your adult children, almost adult children on college trips? It only takes a minute. Somebody says something, one of the students who's leading you around the college says something that instantly, or the, your daughter sees somebody she, she thinks might be like her walking around, or something says something, or it's purely <clears throat> in, imponderable, and it's often irrational. Certainly that's true in affairs of the heart. It only takes a minute. How many? I mean, so, so Michael Lunig is going against almost all rock and roll. I mean, he may, he may have his reasons, and people have, have used it. Nothing can be loved at speed, but that's just not true. Uh, certainly, if you listen to rock and roll and pop music, it is absolutely not true. Uh, it's, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, it only takes a minute, girl. And that's the truth. And interestingly enough, Stephen Picard was the one. We, we were, um, I was a member of something called the International Anglican Theology and Doctrine Commission. And I was a member for about five years. And we were convened by Archbishop George Carey to... Um, to try to find a theological way forward in relationship to the uh, gay marriage, uh, the question of homosexuality, and the Christian faith. And um, the whole point of the thing was for the, from a, a, an Orthodox uh, um, archbishop, was to, for, to a wide range of voices, but especially a strong representation of <clears throat> more traditional or Orthodox voices, to come up with some kind of a theological understanding of this question that would allow the church to go forward. But what we soon found out when I got there, and I met the many meetings, is that there was a tremendous um, 
you absolutely couldn't talk about the real issue. All you could talk about, how do you deal with difference? How can you walk together? How can you have different points of view about something that people feel passionately about on both sides and walk together? We never actually talked about the thing itself. And yet I knew, because I had talked to George Carey a lot about it, that the whole point of his calling us together was to come up with some kind of a of a statement rooted in theologically, biblically, and traditional understandings of marriage in Christian terms that would give us a a kind of an anchor. It might be concessive, but it would give us a core conviction on the nature of the Christian uh, Orthodox biblical and traditional faith. And, And when I got there, I realized that the whole thing was being controlled. And it being controlled, and it was being controlled by voices of not voices, power that did not want us to actually talk about the thing itself. As a matter of fact, it was Stephen Picard who opened my eyes because he was very much on the other side and nice, perfectly nice person. But he said once, I think um, I sort of said something about, well, shouldn't we actually discuss the the question of. Uh, of, of homosexuality and biblical perspective, we we at least need to have a session on on our what we want to say about that arising from the New Testament. And um, Stephen said, "No, no, that's an unmentionable. I'll never forget it." He said, "No, you can't talk. We can't talk about that. That's one of the unmentionables, <laughs> deplorables, unmentionables." And I said, I actually made the mistake, politically speaking, of saying, "You mean wait a minute? The whole reason we're here, we can't talk about it. We can only talk about it in terms of the absorption of an idea, not about the idea itself." And he said, "Oh, absolutely." That's an unmentionable. That's here's the international Anglican theology and doctrine. Notice it's not an international Anglican ecclesiological commission or doctrine of the church or um, uh, pluralism in long-term perspective commission. It was theology and doctrine. So I spent an entire <clears throat> four or five years um, in a situation where nobody and I wasn't the only one who saw this. There were many, but you, that's the unmentionable. Uh, you, nothing can be loved at speed. Well, no, sir. Um, he obviously hadn't listened to Tavares. So my point was really uh, in talking about this right now is that um, it's amazing how um, sometimes you can't say anything and 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 you, you're afraid to say something for fear of being, you know. And I ended up afraid to say anything. So I sat quiet. Once at one point I was going to say something about this, but not. A, a conservative polemical point. I was simply going to say, please, people, let's at least, we all may differ on this, but let's at least talk about why we have been brought together. And as I was saying, I was just about to say it, and I happened to be sitting next to N.T. Wright, who's an old friend, acquaintance, I should say, but long, long term, known him for a very long time. And uh, I was just about to say the old thing, not making a position, but saying we have to talk about this. And he put his foot on my foot underneath the table. He's, he's saying, Paul, don't go there. And I didn't. I mean, I, I, I stopped. I did not say, said nothing. Well, that's what's interesting, is when you're afraid to say what you have to say, and in this case, it wasn't a big thing, but it was regarded as a big thing. And so we didn't. Think about the times that you like Rose Hobart. Now, the trouble with not saying what you think is that eventually it comes out. Sometimes in a, um, it comes out in a suppressed manner or a displaced manner, and all of a sudden you, you get all upset about something that's not the real thing, but because you couldn't talk about the real thing, the energy concerning the real thing that you had in your heart got displaced onto something unimportant. Now, I'll give you two other examples. Um, <clears throat> I was with a, a very nice clergyman about three weeks ago, um, and... Uh, 
I could tell that he was very much on the conservative side politically. Uh, I had every reason to uh, believe that he was very much on the although we weren't talking about politics, but um, he he I could tell there was something there going on. And uh, an Episcopal clergyman, fine fellow, but I could just tell <clears throat> that he was on the conservative side politically. And at one point, he said uh, he wanted to talk about it, and I, 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 as always, did not want to talk about it because I out of fear. And he then said this. He said, you know, after the year, after the election of 2016, I realized as a Christian that I couldn't put my Christianity on any one candidate. I couldn't have sort of Christian hopes for one particular candidate after 2016. And I must absolutely divorce my Christian faith from any kind of uh, p- political, um, you know, adoration or loyalty or devotion to one particular candidate. And he said it very clearly. Uh, but, but then he said this, he said, and no matter what side you're on, he said, no matter what side you're on, liberal or conservative, Republican or Democrat, you really never want to involve your Christian faith with any kind of one particular candidate. And um, I, he kept saying, well, no matter what side you're on. Now, no matter what side you're on, uh, I'm talking to you, the listener, this mash was meant to, you, um, you'll always find out of fear that you you, you'll, you'll always, haven't you found yourself saying, well, of course, you may be conservative or you may be liberal, but still, and what's really going on there is that you don't want to be um, thought by any in a million years uh, a person who might vote for Donald Trump because he's the elephant in the room in every single political conversation. So um, that, that's in fact the case. You can say it's not, but it, 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 my experience everywhere I go is that the one thing, certainly in the circles I move in, the one absolute unmentionable thing, to quote Bishop Picard, is that you might possibly have voted or could conceive of voting for Donald Trump. That's the absolute unmentionable. And it was so funny because I was certain that this man, what he was really saying, I can't tell you that I voted for Donald Trump, this man was saying, and I refuse to tell you. However, um, no matter what side you're on, I learned that a Christian cannot, in other words, he was afraid that I might have seen him as a, what did I think he was a, quote, Christian nationalist, end of quote, or could he possibly have done the unmentionable worst thing in the in the world for which he should be deposed from the ministry, which is to vote for Donald Trump? It was so funny. And um, I... Uh, don't you find this? I mean, whether you're a person who who has or hasn't, or who does or doesn't, notice I said that before. There's one unmentionable, and you will you will you know it's like um, nothing can be loved at speed. You know, in that conversation about politics, the person says, "Well, whether you are conservative or liberal, that's always the thing," and it's an attempt not to say what the person thinks. It's perfectly all right to say one thing on one side, but if you're even 5,000 light years from another side, you have to say, well, whether you're conservative or liberal, whether you're Republican or Democrat, nothing can be loved at speed. <laughs> Are you kidding? Everybody has opinions about this. Everybody has strong opinions, certainly on the right as well as on the left, but you, you can't say it. Nothing can be loved at speed. Now, one final example. I was with a... Uh, but what, what is the point? The point is, why do we not say what we think? Well, out of fear. And it's a bad thing. I'm just as much as you. I'm desperately afraid not. There are a couple of subjects that are absolute unmentionables. And the funny thing is, this this will extend even to your family uh, dinner table. We used to say, you know, Thanksgiving, Uncle so-and-so is, ah, Trump. You know, um, but it's not just there. It's everywhere. Everywhere I go, there are unmentionables. And in the church, so... Okay, nothing can be loved at speed, so we 
won't talk about anything that we have a heart reaction to, an immediate reaction to. No, I don't believe that. That's not right. Nothing can be loved at speed. Or, well, whether you're Republican and Democrat, I've come to believe that. Now, one other example I was with, we were with, um, gosh, I think we were with six other couples at a, uh, at a uh, luncheon uh, in... Um, uh, in where we live part of the year in Birmingham, um, and uh, the uh, the whole question of Parkinson's came up, and uh, which I have a thing about, but I'm not supposed to say it. Uh, and um, we were talking about um, all the people we know our age with a husband is either has a de- a dementia or um, Parkinson's or is dead. And that the vast majority of women we know who are still married to their husbands um, of roughly their age, whoever they may be, uh, it's the woman who's got it together at age 77, and it's the man who's on the way out or has already gone. So you go to church and you see a great many widows and uh, a few widowers. You know, if whether you're a Democrat or Republican, I had to say that, but very few. I see very, I see a few widowers at church, um, maybe two, and I see about 20 uh, widows. And it's just a fact. It's not, I, I wish it were not so. I certainly wish it were not so in my own future, you know. Um, and I see a tremendous amount of women, older women who are caring for husbands who are on the way out, who are really debilitated or you know, then it comes to the point. Now, there are, as we always say, there are exceptions. There's some men who are caring for their wives. But I was in this group, and I, I, everybody kind of, when I said, well, you know, the vast majority of us will end up, the, the men will be uh, incapacitated or dead, and our wives will be looking after us. And I could say, but, you know, you're not supposed to say, say that. And I, I didn't mean it. And I was just, it was almost like a sad confession. And I, I could just tell I wasn't supposed to say that. For some reason, that was unmentionable. I, I can't quite understand it because everybody knows about it, and they all have seen it, and most of their friends fall into that, with exceptions, with exceptions. Hopefully, I will look after Mary and not the other way around when we get to that phase. I doubt it, but it would be wonderful if God gave me the gift of looking after my wife um, when she most needs it. And that may well happen. However... Um, the vast majority, and I, I suddenly realized I'd sort of said something divisive by simply saying that most of us here, it'll be the woman, the wife looking after the man. Not all, but most. And I could tell you, I wasn't supposed to say that. And I was say, oh, my heart sank, and I sort of wanted to shut up, and I kind of sank beneath the, I didn't say anything more, because I could tell I was getting looked at daggers, not by my own wife, but by, it was an unmentionable, uh, it was uh, the unmentionable from Stephen Picard. But then one of the a guy, a sort of older guy who doesn't mind what he says, and kind of, he wasn't drunk, but he was a little bit, he just, for some reason, just came out. He said, well, he said, yeah, he said, Paul's absolutely right. He said, everybody we know, it's, it's four out of five of the people we know, it's the woman who lives longer and who looks after the man. It said, it's everybody we know, right, Liz? And he, <laughs> he wasn't supposed to say it. I was so relieved. And he said it in a much more kind of less, uh, you know, just a uh, way. Just came out with it, and I stopped, and I said, oh, thank God, this lovely, let's call this fellow Lionel. I was so glad that, that Lionel said it, not me, because you can't say it. You cannot say it. Now, what is that? All I'm trying to say is, what can you say and what can't you say? And I'm going to uh, to um, uh, finish by asking you the question, what is unmentionable and what isn't? And we're going to uh, um, uh, 
close with a song by an unmentionable singer who I just think is the best thing in the world. His song is truly ridiculous. This song is truly ridiculous. And yet, if you see the movie in which it appears twice, it's incredibly true at the same time. And my next podcast, because this is one of two, is going to be about um, what, what really needs to be said. If, if we can't say what we think, what is really true about what's happening to us when it comes to the life of the inward person? And that will be, um, that will be uh, episode 380, Love's Been Good to Me. But right now, listen to one of the greatest songs ever recorded. Every day's a new day, so take every day as it comes, each one by one, count them on your fingers, and make the ones that linger, your own snowy silver white, all shiny bright, Touch on.